says, the thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what did Jesus say? I am, now those two words alone are pretty powerful. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I want you to take just about 30 seconds and meditate on this question. Meditate on this question just about 30 seconds. Is my life an abundant life? Would I define my life as an abundant life? And if the answer to that is anything but a powerful yes, Brian, I'm glad to see y'all up here. Close and personal. I can come get you. If the answer is anything besides a strong yes, then Jesus has more for you. Any of you parents ever want to help your kids and they wouldn't let you? I take it you've experienced that. Anybody ever get a stubborn two-year-old to try to get you to let you help them tie their shoe? And what is their answer? I do it. I do it myself. It's as though we never outgrow that. like we never outgrow that attitude brother few so much of our life we spend saying to God I do it myself and if our lives are anything less than abundant life we need to quit doing it ourselves and let God work in us I want you to pray right now that over the next few minutes that God would speak into your soul I'm not a good enough speaker to get to your soul. I can get in your ears. That's about it. What happens next is up to God. Would you pray that God would speak to your soul right now? Lord Jesus, we lift our heart, our mind, our thoughts to you. God, we need you today to speak into this congregation. We are a people with many battles, much stress in our world. God, I pray that you would help us to see beyond some things that have held us captive. Lord, I pray that our hearts would rejoice in you and our minds would be freed in your presence. God, I know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, oh God, according to the power that worketh in us, how we worship you, how we appreciate you, oh God. We love and appreciate you, Jesus. We worship you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is one of the scriptures that contains so much truth um, in one verse, self-contained, power-packed verse. This is one of the scriptures that it just, it packs a punch. It's one of those that you memorize. Most of you can quote this scripture. If you've been around uh, a church or a uh, Bible at all, this is one of those that, 
that a lot of people can quote. You might not get it exactly right, but you can quote this one because it's so powerful. This is one of the scriptures that became a, a banner or it becomes a banner for us in times of battle. It's like a war cry, if you please. Uh, we know what the enemy's doing, but we also know what our God is doing. Amen. It's very, uh, it very clearly outlines what is at stake. Very clearly it outlines what's at stake. It's like going to a real bad neighborhood and parking your car and you look around and you say, hmm, I better lock my car. I could lose something here. Amen. It's very clear. It says, look, you better watch what's going on. You could lose something here. There's a thief. There's a robber. There's a killer out to destroy. So it outlines it. It calls out the enemy and his plan. It lets you know ahead of time. It's like a spy going behind the enemy lines and saying, this is what he wants to do. This is what he's attempting to do. You better watch this. It's amazing, and I forgive me if you don't, if, if, if you don't agree with this. You're probably sharp as a tack, and I'm dumb as a rock. But it amazes me how dumb we are sometimes. We totally miss the warning. And we look around like we're surprised that we got attacked. What do you mean you're surprised that you got attacked? No, that's the enemy's business. That's every day. Every day he is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But it also reveals the counterattack of our God. Our God is not caught off guard. He's not idle. He's not setting back. It reveals that counterattack. So it should not come as a surprise when the enemy attempts to suck the very life out of you. And some of you know what I'm saying when I make that statement. It's as though the enemy just sucks the life out of you. You've gone through so much hurt, through so much disappointment, through so much pain that it's like the life is just sucked out of you and you don't feel like there's anything left in you. And so it should not come as a surprise that your joy is constantly under attack. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have strength, you can't fight the battle. You can't even get out of bed sometimes. And so it's no surprise that the enemy wants to steal your joy. And some of you need to smarten up a little. Some things God can do, some things we can do for ourselves. If I walk up, every time I walk up to you, I jack one up against the side of your head, eventually you'll either quit walking up to me or you'll bring a bat one and learn me a lesson. Sometimes we just keep letting the enemy whop on us. There's some things we need. There's some people you just don't need to go around. Sorry. There's just some people, you go around them, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. It's going it's to hurt. You need to learn that. There's some places you don't need to go. Amen. I've told you before, I could walk up in a bar, sit down on a bar stool all day, wouldn't bother me a bit because I never have drank in my life. Never never was, and I, I did not say I was perfect. I just said that stuff always tasted like horse, you know what? I ain't drinking something you have to learn to like. Okay? I ain't going there. Same way I never had a problem with cigarettes. Felt like a cat was clawing its way down my throat. I thought, I don't want to look cool that bad. I have my vices, but that's not one of them. I could walk in the bar and sit down and it wouldn't bother me a bit. I, I sat there all night and just look at them get drunker and drunker. But some of you better stay out of a bar. You might, you should probably not even go down the street where the bar is. 
Because you're liable to wander in and come out a different person than what you went in. You know what I'm saying? So some things is just about us being smarter because the devil is constantly looking for a way to mess up your life. He came to steal, to kill, and destroy. Listen to me. He did not come to give you a good time. Amen. One of the most profound, impacting things ever happened to me was in one of my fellow Bible school students, one of the best preachers I'd ever met, drifted away from God, had an accident around Christmas time many years ago, drunk driving, had an accident, and on Christmas Day, I was in the intensive care to see him in that situation. And while I'm standing there visiting with him, that was back in the days when the Super Bowl was earlier. It used to be earlier. Didn't the Super Bowl even used to be around Thanksgiving? Somebody help me. Am I crazy as a bed bug? That's playoffs. But I remember when there were some big games around Christmas, and that day there was a, a really big game being played on that Christmas day. And I watched as those, those girls and guys played beach volleyball, half-naked, and they were playing, and they had to have beer. I guess beer makes you play volleyball better. I don't know for sure what the, the two how, how combines. But I was sitting there with a man who was, who was in, the, in the clutches of death who in any moment could breathe his last breath because of what they were advertising up there on that TV and making it look so good. You listen to me, the devil is a liar and he's not out to give you a good time. He is not out to bless you. He will hurt you any way he can. Amen. And so the devil is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. So it is imperative uh, that we realize your faith, your trust, your purity, your innocence, your health, your peace of mind, your worship, your prayer life, your victory, all of those things that make your life precious and beautiful are under constant attack. Listen to me, young lady. When you give in to that guy and you sleep with him and you're not married to him, you are telling yourself that you're less than what God made you. There will be guilt. There will be pain. There will be suffering. Listen to me. I'm trying to reach to us today. Everything we do outside of the protection of God's word will cause us to lose ground in the things that matter. It'll steal our joy. It'll steal our peace. It'll steal our purity. It'll rob us of what God wants to bless us with. Amen. You say, preacher, you're kind of getting up in my business. That is my business. I am a shepherd. And when there are things that hurt the sheep, I'm going to be on the wall saying, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. God's got more for you. God's got more for you. There is abundant life. There is abundant life. Amen. There's an abundant life. People look around. I'm, I'm seeing so many people making fun of people that walk after the word of God and follow after the scriptures and, the, and especially the Hollywood elite. They're making fun of you because you're willing to pay tithes and offering. You're willing to worship God. They tell you, many of them tell you you're crazy, but it's them that's out there taking their life. It's them that's out there drinking themselves into oblivion. It's them that's out there divorcing and divorcing and divorcing and divorcing and divorcing. Honey, that's not what life is about. The kingdom of God is meat and drink. It's not just meat and drink. It is righteousness. It's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And the devil don't like that. He don't want you to have joy. Oh, my, my, my. 
My, my, uh, my oldest grandson used to be scared to death of fire ants. Now he plays in them. He's got, a, he's got an ant pile that he terrorizes. Loves it when they bite him. It's like, you idiot. What's wrong with you? You didn't come from my lineage. Crazy kid. Amen. That's the way we are sometimes. We just play with the fire ant until we get bit. We say, oh, I'll get over it. Kind of like Samson. He just kept going back and playing with the fire ant until he got one that bit so hard he died from it. You gotta be careful, ladies and gentlemen. That's not the life that God wants you to have. Your faith, your trust, your purity, your innocence, your health, your peace of mind, your worship, your prayer life, your victory, that's what God wants you to have. And it's no wonder that the enemy tries to steal those things. So let me just cut to the chase and tell you that if Satan had the power to destroy you, if he had the power to destroy you, you wouldn't be listening to me today. Come on now. I said, if he had the power to do what he wants to do with you, you would not be hearing this message today. You would not have been singing these songs earlier. The reason you're here is because there is a God who wants to give you an abundant life. There's a God who wants to foil the plans of the enemy. There's a God that wants to take you into his power and his love and his mercy and give you an abundant life. Oh, give the Lord praise right now. Come on, give it up to Jesus. Give it straight up to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fact is that when you come under attack, you need desperately to have all the facts because Satan is a liar. And he's a good one. He is a very good liar. And we are more vulnerable to his lies than we would like to admit. We are much more vulnerable. And if we're not careful and if we do not stand on the word of God, we will allow an attitude of defeat to get a hold of our minds. That's all he's got to do is if he can just get you to have an attitude of defeat, he can mess up all kinds of things in your world. So there's two verses where Jesus speaks so plainly and those two verses will secure our proper perspective of what's going on in the spirit world. Because this, honey, this ain't gonna last anyway. What's the oldest person you know? Huh? What's the oldest person you know? I don't know anybody. I used to know some over 100. I don't know now. Door, how old are you? <laughs> I could not resist. Uh, uh, I don't know how, I don't know the oldest person you are, but you think the oldest person you know didn't figure out your age, do a little simple math, you ain't that far away. <laughs> I'm seeing people my age every day in, in, in obituaries. I'm gonna be like, what's that guy? You smoke that cigar and George Burns or what was his name? He said, first thing he does, read the obituaries. If his name ain't in it, he gets up and eats breakfast. I'm getting there, Brother Green, I'm getting there. Because there's people my age all around me passing, you know, one right after the other. So we got to realize uh, that, that there's, we need to understand that it's the spirit world that matters. 
Amen. This this fleshly world. Yes, you got to live. You got to pay your bills. You got to have a roof over your head. You got to feed the dog, feed the cat if you got one. Amen. You got you got to feed the cows. You got to you got to put gas in the car. Your tire, car has a flat. You got to fix flat. I know all that. You got to feed the kids and change diapers. I get it. But beyond that natural world, beyond that physical world, there is a spiritual world that we've got to start paying closer attention to. We are not just flesh and blood. We are spiritual beings with a God who wants to breathe spiritual life into us every day that goes above and beyond anything in this world. Amen. So there's two very powerful scriptures that puts it into perspective. Luke chapter 10, 17 and 18 said, 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And verse 18 said, and he being Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That puts it in perspective. He didn't last long. Kind of like that dog chasing that cat through the sawmill. Cat jumped the blade, the dog ran right into it. He didn't last one round. You think about that and you'll figure it out later. The devil didn't last one round. He said, I'm going to take over. God said, you are. How cool is that? Boom. He said, I beheld him like lightning fall to the ground. That's the one scripture you need to understand. The devil is bluffing. That one that's trying to cause you to have a bad day, that one that's messing around with your mind, trying to destroy your attitude, your health, your body, your marriage, your friendships, your purity, he is bluffing. He does not have anything to do that with except what he can bluff his way through in your life. And here's the other scripture that puts it in perspective, 28, 17 of Matthew. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus, this is the verse you've got to get, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power. What part of all do we not understand? What part of all do we not get when we're up against it, Brother Farhad, and we're facing things and we feel like the enemy's getting the upper hand and we feel defeated and we feel discouraged and we're struggling? What are we missing when we fail to realize all power? There's nothing left outside of all All power is given unto me, Jesus said, in heaven and in earth. So reading these scriptures, it's like finding money you didn't know you had. Uh Uh-huh, that's always nice. Amen. We haven't go through my mother's, my dad's stuff as we we deal with, with their estate. And my mom was a rascal. We found in a notebook, she was working on a youth service for church working on a youth service, had all of her scriptures and everything, and stuff down in that envelope, down behind all of her notes was a $100 bill. It's been there since 2012. It's like finding money you didn't know you had. I'm telling you, you need to get a hold of these scriptures because the devil don't want you knowing that all power in heaven and earth belongs to the one that you're serving, the one that you were worshiping just a few moments ago, the one you're singing to, the God of creation, the God of heaven and earth. The devil don't want you to know that he has all power. 
Mm-mm-mm-mm. Amen. And so I'm here to declare to all of us that have been under a relentless attack from the kingdom of darkness that the devil is defeated. Amen. He is defeated and God is most certainly not dead. And he is not even asleep. He is not powerless. He is not aloof. Everybody say aloof. God is not aloof. He is not inactive. His account has not gone inactive. He has not retired. He is alive and he wants his people to come alive also. He is alive and he wants every fiber of our spiritual being to come alive again. If Satan could have kept Jesus dead, he would have. And if Satan can keep you dead, he will. He couldn't keep Jesus dead. He could not stop the resurrection. He could not keep the stone in front of that tomb. He wasn't gonna accomplish that. He could not keep the grave clothes even on Jesus. He couldn't do any of that. But oh, how the devil would love to stop the resurrection of our faith. He would love to stop your faith from rising up. Satan would love to prevent the resurrection of our hope. He does not want hope rising up in the people of God. He would love to keep our worship buried under a pile of defeat. Honey, you gotta dig your worship out every once in a while. It'll get all covered up in what happened to you. Honey, turn loose of that. He deserves worship. Come out of that mess. I always love that story of that farmer's mule that fell off in that old dry well. Some of you might have heard about him. And so the the farmer said, he's got to be dead, broke leg anyway. I'm just going to start pouring in dirt. I need to fill in that old dry well anyway. So he gets a load of dirt and pushes it in. He goes that tractor and gets another load of dirt, keeps pushing dirt in on top of that old mule. And in a minute, he's headed back over with another load of dirt. And he sees two ears shaking like that, trying to get the dirt out of them. Amen. Every time he dumped a load on that mule, that mule just stomped around and stepped up on it until he walked out of that hole. I'm talking to some people. The devil keeps dumping dirt on you. You need to keep stepping on it. You need to keep getting on top. Don't let the devil bury you. Don't let the enemy cover you up. You still gotta praise. You still gotta worship. You still gotta give it all. Woo! Somebody shout unto God right now. Woo! Come alive. Come alive. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Amen. He'd love to keep our joy from rising up out of the ashes. I, I'm telling you, I know the battle. Amen. I hadn't, hadn't experienced what some of you have, Sister George and, and Sister Nanny. Brother Doyle, I have not lost a spouse and some of the others of you that have dealt with that pain. And I'm telling you, I had to do some stomping around right now to rise up out of the ashes of losing my mom and dad one behind the other. And especially the way my dad went. It's hard to get past that. 
it's hard to get past that injustice. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like rising up out of the ash heap and seeing the light of day and knowing that my God has never let me down. He's got it under control. Come on and get up out of that ash heap. Rise up out of the ash heap and give God glory. Mm. The devil would love it if we could not escape the spirit of heaviness. He'd be thrilled if we gave up in the darkness of the long night while we're waiting for the rising of the sun. He would love that. Many of us have been hard over the past few years. I understand that. I get that. Many of us have struggled with God's schedule and his timing. Sometimes God's timing seems off to me. And the devil takes the occasion to introduce questions and doubts into our fragile mind. Not necessarily questions about God as such, but questions about how God relates to our personal situation. Not questioning God, it's just, God, do you care about me? Do you care about this? And if we really would be honest with ourselves, some of us are spiritually dead. You need to think about that. You need to know where you are. You need to let the Holy Ghost check your pulse. Do you have a spiritual pulse? What's your heart rate in the spirit? What's pumping? Amen. You got, you got a good enough heartbeat to survive? The pressures the enemy puts on you. <clears throat> As I sought the Lord for today, I had gone to see my grandbabies in Beaumont. Well, I went to see my kids too, but you know how that is. Can you erase that part of that CD just, to, just in case? I was going to see my kids and they've got kids and I just thought I'd see them too while I was there. <laughs> but I had, I had the, uh, uh, that Academy had real good price on trampolines before Christmas and so I bought them two grandbabies a trampoline so I had to go down and make sure it was working right and so I was out there and there's all kinds of games on the internet trampoline games one of the trampoline games is called dead man dead man come alive dead come alive before when I count five dead men come alive and of course you know who got to be the dead men first I guess they thought since I was closest. <laughs> so you lay down on the trampoline on your back, you close your eyes, and they start running around you in a circle saying, dead men, dead men, come alive. When I count the number five, one, two, three, four, five, and when you, when, and so first time I played it, I, I waited around to come alive. I about died trying to catch one of them. 
You have to keep your eyes closed. See, you, you, when you come alive, you have to keep your eyes closed and you're chasing them around on that trampoline. And I about died trying to come alive. I was wheezing and panting and I said, can we take a break from this game? So after a little while, I got thinking, how's the best way to play this game? Because the first time I done it wasn't too good. I don't think I can hold up to another one like that. So next time I'm in the center, I, they, you know, eyes closed, stiff, dead men, dead men, come alive. Four, I count the number five. One, two, three, four. And honey, as little Roy, as soon as she got to five, I come screaming out of there, and I caught me one instantly. <laughs> I ain't dragging this thing out again. When you tell me I can come alive, honey, I ain't gonna drag around and chase promises all day. I'm coming out immediately. I'm here to preach to this church. Dead man, dead man, come alive. It's time for you to realize God is asking you to rise up. You don't need to lay there. You don't need to wait on tomorrow. You don't need to wait on anything else. You just need to... Come alive, come alive. Dead man, dead man, come alive. Oh, come on, somebody. Give the Lord a lively praise. We are lively stones. We are lively stones. come alive. We need to come alive, church. I'm here today to simply declare, dead man, you can come alive. If it was not true, you'd have been dead already. You'd have been finished off. It'd have been done, and you'd have been buried spiritually. But the devil cannot do that to you, and there's still a voice calling from heaven, come alive, come alive, come alive. Hear my voice. Come out from among them. Give yourself to me. There is a voice that says, there is a thief, and come to steal and he's come to steal and he's come to destroy but I am I am I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly and if you're not living abundant life it's time to come alive dead man, dead man come alive Woo! You do not have to die in your dilemma. You do not have to give up hope. You do not have to settle for loss. You do not have to give up or give in. I'm declaring a new hope for a new year. I'm declaring a fresh fire for a new year. You can have a personal and profound resurrection if you want it. Hey, I, some folks, I'm scared that they uh, they like being half dead. Mm. Dead man, come alive. Mm. If you're dead, I promise that God has a resurrection plan for you, just like He had for Jesus. 
It does not have to be over. You do not have to exist without the joy of the Lord. I'm gonna say that again, church, as your pastor, I'm telling you, I don't, it does not matter what your circumstances are, you do not have to exist without the joy of the Lord. If you're telling me you cannot have joy, then you are discrediting everything the Holy Ghost is because he said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do not discount the Holy Ghost. Do not discount the spiritual. Yes, I understand situations are bad, but dear God, stomp your way up like a mule and know you are a spirit being, not flesh on only. Amen. Amen. You do not have to just get by. Some people, the devil have convinced you, you're just going to have to get by. Oh, I wish I could rejoice like sister so-and-so. I wish I could pray like so-and-so. You can. Look at your neighbor right now. Don't look at me. Look at your neighbor and say, you can. Get on down with them. Give them a little preacher talk. You can. If you can't, then that makes God a respecter of persons and he ain't. The thief coming not before the steel kill and destroy, but I am come that day. Say, you are they. No, you didn't hear me. I said, say, you are they. You are they. Y O U A. T-H-E-Y, try again. Not me, him. Him, tell him. Turn around and tell Sister Kathy, you are they. Brother Clark, look at that lady behind you and say, you are they. He said, I am come that day. Brother Mark, you tell that beautiful woman sitting next to you, say, you are they. You are they. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The resurrection marks the greatest battle in human history. Let me just talk to you just a minute about it. The, great, the resurrection marks the greatest battle. It was the outcome of the battle of God's greatest enemy, death versus life divine life. It's where God concentrated his infinite power, drawing all the power of heaven, bringing them straight toward that tomb that day. It was the greatest display of power since the visible creation in the book of Genesis. On that day, the earth shook. Jesus of Nazareth came to life and death died. Death could not stand against the power of life. Death could not hold the Son of Man in its endless domain. Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he became, listen, he became the firstborn, the firstborn from the grave. That means if there's a firstborn, that means there's gonna be a second born and a third born and a fourth born and a 10 billionth born. And I don't know what your number is, 
but there's a firstborn up there that started this thing that the grave does not have power over. And when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, the grave does not have power over you either. Amen. Jesus arose victorious. He shook off the chains and was no longer bound by space and time. He became the life-giving spirit of God at work in this world. And Romans 8 and 11 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if it gets inside of you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Somebody needs to know the God inside of you has power over the death that the devil wants to deal you. The ESV says, thus it's written. First Corinthians, ESV says, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. See, Jesus breathed his life into his disciples. The breath of God is what we receive when we receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, tell me somebody, really? Come on, think it through. Get the devil out of the way and think it through. If the holy breath of God has breathed into you, should that deal you're dealing with really be kicking your tail like it is? Is that a fair question? The same breath of God that spoke the worlds into existence came into you when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Something needs to get revealed in us. Something needs to come alive in us and realize we ain't just no ordinary earth dweller. We are people that's connected to another world. And yes, I gotta pay my bills. And yes, I gotta feed the cat. And yes, I may have a headache or this or that. I may deal with but I don't belong here. This is my temporary dwelling place and I've got to disconnect from this occasionally and plug in and have the spirit of God breathe, 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 breathe in me. It's got to breathe in me. I wish I could tell you that life was going to get easier. But most of y'all are getting older every year. Most of you. Some of you are timeless and ageless. You'll always be beautiful specimens. I understand that. Most of us get affected every year by a date that our big mama went waddling in the hospital and said, I'm done carrying this little rascal. Out! And we call that our birthday. And they seem to come every year. And so my dad would always tell me, a couple of scriptures, a man that's born of a woman is full, a few days and full of trouble. And I knew I was born of a woman. And I was thankful for that. <laughs> but that meant that life was going to have its troubles. And my dad would always quote, and I can't quote it exactly like he is. I'm not at old yet. But he talked about there's so many years. And then if you make it past that, it, it gets painful. It gets difficult. Some of you may not may know that scripture by heart, but Dad will talk about that because he had passed that that seventy, you know, four score to ten, 
three score and ten. He had passed that, and he said that life can be painful and troublesome. And so I, what, I guess what I'm saying to y'all is, man, I don't want to be depressing. Uh, look at him and say, he's depressing even when you don't want to be depressing. I don't want to be depressing, but I want to just tell you that it's not going to get easier. You've got to get closer. It's not going to get less confusing. You've got to get closer to the voice. It's not going to get less painful. You've got to get closer to the source. You've got to get closer to the source. I told you all the stories about my mama. I'll never forget one of the last times I went to see her in the hospital in Lubbock. As I stepped out of that elevator, you've got to, you've got to step out of the elevator. I think it's fifth floor, UMC Medical in Lubbock. You've got to step out of the elevator. You've got to turn left and go this way about six or eight steps. Then you turn right and go down a hall for about 35, 40 steps. Then you turn left and go about 80 steps to her room and then into her room. That's how far it was to her room. But when I stepped off of that elevator, I could hear my mom worshiping God, talking in other tongues, praying and seeking the face of God. Listen, her life was not easy. She had a lot of pain. She had a lot of suffering. But the more she suffered, the closer she got to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And listen to me, when it's all said and done and when they close the books on this thing, you will not falsely accuse God. When you see him face to face, you will know that he done everything right and that he done everything pure. So just go ahead and quit crying now and start worshiping God. Go ahead and quit dying and start resurrecting your faith. Go ahead and climb out. Come alive, dead man, dead man. Come alive, dead man, come alive. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Jesus breathed life into those disciples. It is power over death. That's why we must make room for the presence of God in our life. You say, how long do I need to pray? Till you're in the presence of God, if at all possible. Amen. Our worship must invite him into our midst. You're a part of a team. You say, why are you always pushing us to worship? Why can't we just sit here? Because if you don't need him, I do. If you don't need his presence here, I do. Just do it to help me. But I'm probably not the only one that needs to be immersed in the presence of God. There's probably some of you who had a fight with your spouse this week. Oh, now we're playing a quiet game. Now I done been moving up into your living room. So that preacher got a, got a secret recorder in my house. So you probably got mad and threw a little temper tantrum this week. Mm-hmm. Ain't no sticking nobody in the ribs right now. Some of you probably felt hopeless about a situation in your life. Come on, I know where I'm at. 
I'm walking in real shoe leather. I know about disappointment. I know about discouragement. I know about the unexpected. One phone call can change your whole life. I know about that. And that's why, folks, we've got to tap into another world. That's why, I, as your shepherd, I will not. Do I always feel like worshiping God when I come? No. My rear end hurts sometimes. My head hurts sometimes. My head ain't even here sometimes. If I hadn't been a pastor, I wouldn't even come to church Wednesday night. It was wet and cold and nasty. I get it. But I don't have the luxury of not making myself available and inviting the presence of God in because I may not can change my circumstance and my circumstance may never change. But if I can touch heaven and I can feel the glory of God, then I can once again have full confidence that he's making right decisions up there. He's got his eye on the sparrow. He sees the sparrow when it falls, and he certainly cares about me. And that's why, church, we have got to corporately and individually reach for God with all of our heart until we bring him into this place, usher him into this house, and make him welcome with our worship and our praise. That's why you gotta spend a little time in your prayer life, worshiping God, worshiping God, singing a song to him and invite his presence in because in his presence there is fullness of joy and it's not connected to the negative circumstances in my life. It's connected to him and him alone in his presence. Come on, dead man, dead man, come alive. Dead man, dead man, come alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must lay aside our schedules and our distorted priorities and breathe in the breath of God. Your faith cannot come alive without the breath of God flowing in you. Your faith will die without the breath of God flowing into you. Your hope cannot withstand the assault of hell without the life-giving breath of God resurrecting your spirit. Please, I'm preaching to you, dead man, dead man, come alive, come alive. The grave of Jesus turned into a garden. In the kingdom of God, death does not have to have the final say. Notice this very powerful scripture, John 12 and 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You say, I feel so dead. That's okay, just let the spirit of God come and begin to cover over you and let something develop in that dark place because every one of you that's ever planted a seed Every one of you that's ever planted a garden, a flower, any kind of seed, you did not boo-hoo and cry over that seed that was getting buried. Not a one of you buried that seed. Oh, poor little old seed. I feel so, I hate to do this to you. 
No, you don't cry over a seed that dies and is buried because you know when God gets a hold of that thing through his power, and that's the only way you can describe it, and if God can do it for a seed and something that lies covered up there. Every one of you did it in kindergarten or the first grade. How many raise your hand if, if your teacher somewhere, your science teachers didn't give you, send you home with a seed buried? Come on, raise your hand. Start right here. How many of y'all? There you go. Nearly every one of us. Raise your hand. Do you, do you go home? Do you learn that lesson? Why do we forget that lesson? Lesson in the darkness, Jared Dunn. Why, 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 why do we forget that powerful lesson, pup? You tell when you when you belong to God, and when God lets you get buried up under something, you just don't give up on life because there's still life in that seed, and it begins to germinate, and it begins to push its way out of the dirt. It begins to, and all of a sudden, you go in there one day, and you look at your little plant. It's about that big. Then you look, and there is a tiny, tiny little sprig of green coming out of that dirt and you say mama, mama, mama come look my plant's coming up my plant's coming up I'm looking at some people as your pastor and I'm believing there's a green fixing to come out of the dirt it's gonna be dead man dead man come alive dead man, dead man come alive spring forth come to life let the glory of God do what it's designed to do. Oh, give the Lord praise right now. Woo! Ah. Ah. We are a new creation. Second Corinthians said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a part of the church, something that was breathed into existence from the very breath of God. Acts 2 and 1. Said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Right now what I'm doing is trying to define, I've been working on where you are individually. Your breathed, your life breathed. God puts you where you are. The devil can't destroy you. God breathed life in you. If you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God put that in you. Hey, no, if you go to them churches that teach you how to speak in tongues, run, run, run. Because when God gives you the Holy Ghost, ain't nobody has to tell you, okay, see my tie, tie my tie. Who stole me Honda? Honey, you go to some church and they start trying to teach you how to speak in tongues, you get your hide out of there because you're dealing with the devil's business at that point. Jesus said when his spirit comes on you, he'll give you that tongue. He'll breathe that life into you. It'll be that tongue of the baby. It'll be that... You hear me? It'll be the same thing that you stick your ear to the door or you listen for when that doctor is delivering that baby, that first breath, that cry out of that baby's mouth. It's the sign of life. It's the sign of the breath of God. And you are a breath of God. When I see you and I see you worship, that means the breath of God has come into you. You don't need to settle for anything less than abundant life, no matter what your circumstances are. Woo! Brother Rankin, I get wound up, so I'm gonna say it real sweet. Back up, shut up, slow down. 
I said, God breathed into you the breath of life. You're not ordinary. You're not normal. You have the breath of God flowing in you. You don't need to settle for anything less than abundant life in spite of your circumstances. What did Paul and Silas do after they had whipped them all night long, put them in a jail cell, locked them up? What did they do? The Bible said they began to pray and they began to sing praises to the Lord because they knew what they were. They were not just some earth being that the devil could beat up and get away with it. They were the children of the most high God with the breath of God flowing in them. Honey, when you begin to speak praises, it's not just your voice. It's the breath of God coming out of you and God cannot ignore that. God cannot ignore that. Woo. Amen. Amen. So I've been talking to you about you personally. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna run to the I'm gonna start heading out of here with, with what you are as a part of a church. You see, we're not just a group of people meeting. We're not just a group of people that pay our dues and come here and go through some liturgy. That ain't us. If you want something calm, cool, and collected, go somewhere else. This ain't it. I'm sorry, this ain't it. You can find that, I promise you. I've been to some of them. You can find them in any flavor. You can even find a good dead Pentecostal church if you want to look. They're there. Okay? They're there. That's not what we are. That's not what we want to be. <laughs> and if you want to act dead, I'll keep prodding you. Because I ain't going to let you affect somebody else. You say, is that a challenge, Pastor? You can take it for whatever you want it for. I ain't going to let this church die. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. <laughs> so I, I've been going to church since I was three days old. I get sick coming to church sometimes. I ain't going to church if it ain't good. Did you hear what I said? I said, I've been going to church since I was three days old. My mom been dragging me to church since three days old. I ain't going to church if it ain't good. And if I see you encroaching and making this a dead church, I'm coming after your hiding. second half of that, I don't care how much you put in the offering plate, I still come after your hide. I will prod you, poke you, I will, I will work on you, I will continue to press you because this is a place that started from my understanding in a red hot prayer meeting and worship service. If I'm wrong, please tell me, I'll go somewhere else. But as I recall, this thing started when people were pushing and prodding and getting in one mind and one accord until they came to the place where suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the breath of God fell among them. Honey, we ain't just got a charter. We don't just have a set of bylaws. We don't just have a time that we meet. We come to be in the presence of God. Woo! Uh, mm. 
We have come to be in the presence of the Lord. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you want to know what my goal is, it is not hidden. There it is. You say, what's he up to? Right there. That's what I'm up to. What's he all about? What's he trying to do in this church? That's what I'm trying to do right there. I want this place to walk in and shut the world out and forget what's happening on your job and get in one mind and one accord and let the Holy Ghost fall in this place like we've never seen it before. Dead man, dead man, come alive. Uh, mm, dead men, dead men, come alive. <laughs> when I was a real green, brand new pastor, I had a, will you fix this chair back for me in a minute? I'm gonna unclip it for me. I had an old board member, first church I pastored. I hope you hear this, Bella, if you ain't dead yet. We'd be in church, and I am not kidding you. He sat out on the end, had two rows, just two big wide rows. Neil, he'd sat out just like this, grown man. I should have slapped him just for sitting like a kid. Don't be slouching. My mom always told me don't slap. And had pews, had an arm right here on the on the pew, and he would sit there like this, stick his head out of him, and stare me down the whole time I was preaching, the whole time we was worshiping. I don't know what kept him from getting a crick in his side. This hurts. <laughs> Knucklehead sat there, too. Honest to God, he sat there just like this, looking at me. <laughs> at least it gave me something to do when I got bored. I always had a target. <laughs> I always had something to shoot at, honey. Listen to me, please. I don't want to be offensive, even though I can do it sometimes just by accident. But I do not want to be offensive. But neither do I want to, sister, do I want to offend the precious holy presence of God. Honey, when that happened that day, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was not one in the house that did not respond to the glory of God. I don't know where we get this, that we can come into his house and do what we want to do. This is his house. This is his place of worship. It's not about how you... It's not about what you're comfortable with. It's about what he wants. It's not about what you feel like. It's about how much he paid to get you here. It's not about what your comfort zone is. It's about the fact that he went so far out of his comfort zone that he died for every single one of us. That's the price it took for us to be dead men come alive. And we need to come alive. My God, we need to come alive. 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 Woo! 
Some of you have been sucking in carbon monoxide of this world. This world's full of carbon monoxide. It'll suck every bit of spiritual life out of you. You need a fresh breath of heaven. Don't die in your dilemma. If God could breathe the breath of life into Adam, he can breathe life back into your spirit. If he could raise Lazarus from the dead, then you can have a resurrection too. Ezekiel 37, we're gonna read this whole thing, cut to the end. 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down the valley, midst of a valley full of bones. He caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now before I read this any further, I know I get crazy, I cut up, act stupid, I make my wife nervous. I'm everything a preacher is not supposed to be, and I understand that. And some people get plumb cross with me, and I don't blame them. If I was you, I'd probably get mad too. But my heart is very pure because that is the valley the devil has with your name on it. Very dry. He wants to suck the spirit out of you. He wants to suck the communication with God out of you. He wants to suck hope out of you. He wants to take everything and leave you very dry. And I know where we're living at. You know, when 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 we go out to New Mexico, this this might be gross, but I'm just I'm I want to explain something. Explain something to you. When we live here, and most of y'all have been trapped in East Texas all your life. You don't have a clue what's going on in the rest of the world. You're just stuck here behind a tree somewhere. Well, when you get out away from here, this heaviness lifts a little bit. This moisture that we all live under. You can sweat here in the shade without moving. Y'all don't even know any other, some of you don't even know any other thing. And, and But when you start getting out there, the that starts lifting and it gets drier and drier and drier. Well, when we go from here and we have to be out there for a little while, it don't take long till our nose starts bleeding. And you get mega boogers. Sorry. I don't deal with them here, but you get mega. We have contests, our family, when we go out there. Got your beat, dude. You can see this one from across the room. Say, <laughs> so you are gross. All this stuff goes on our website, too. My God, no wonder we don't have more people in this church. So I ain't going there. That dude's stupid. But my point to you is that I can go 600 miles that direction and it changes the atmosphere completely. It's a different environment. It's a different, it affects our bodies differently. It affects us differently. Okay? The enemy knows that. And it does not have to be 600 miles. If the devil can just get you in a dry spot, and he is constantly working to get you in a dry spot, 
And if you don't fight against that dryness, you, listen to me, if I've ever been under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, minus a few things I've just said, if, if the devil can ever get you to be willing to stay in a dry spot, it will affect your spirituality. It will affect your outlook on life. It will affect your understanding of scripture. It'll affect your perspective of the church. It will mess you up because you are now existing in a place that you are not accustomed to existing. And the devil wants every one of you to be a member of the Dry Bones Band. And this pastor is standing here under the anointing of the Holy Ghost this year looking you eyeball to eyeball telling you if you're not walking in abundant life you don't have to stay where you are because Jesus said the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly come alive dead man, dead man Come alive. I know I gotta close. Thus saith the Lord unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. I am prophesying right now. I am prophesying the word of the Lord to some of you who have been dry long enough. Thus saith the Lord unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. Behold, a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me son of man these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold they they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Hey man, Sister Jackie, can I use you as an example just for a moment? Can I use your example just for a moment? Honey, last Sunday night, this woman standing right over here for the first time. Stand up, Jackie. I love you so much, dear Lord in heaven. This, this one of our snowbirds comes down every winter to enjoy our exhaustive heat. Hey man, this lady stood right over here and under the power of the Holy Ghost began to speak in other tongues for the first time in her life. You tell me you can be seated. Don't tell me you're too far past it. Don't tell me that you're too old for a fresh move of God. Don't tell me you've been aground too long that you can't experience nothing new. Don't tell me you're just making excuses cause you're lazy and you don't want a revival in your soul. Get up, get up, come alive. Dead man, dead man, come alive. Woo! Hey. 
Amen. Musicians, go ahead and come. You can remain standing. Amen. He prophesied to the bones. You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And you shall put my spirit, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Life may have left you feeling like a dead bag of bones, but I'm here today to declare, dead man, dead man, come alive. I'm here to declare what Jesus declared that day when he was asked to read from the scrolls and he opened it up and it said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel or to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim captive, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, the planting of the Lord. Everybody say the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. When Jesus finished that, he made one declaration. He said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I'm declaring it today in faith. I'm declaring a resurrection for some of you. I've watched you. You say, Pastor, you hadn't even talked to me. I don't matter. I keep an eye. Some of you need the dead man, dead man come alive. I'm declaring resurrection. I'm declaring prison doors to be open. I'm declaring captives to find liberty. I'm declaring the brokenhearted to be healed. I'm declaring dead man come alive. As I close, I know it's still awkward, but there's a circle here. And I would like for some of you to occupy. And if you want to say, you know, I've been dead just on my fingertips. I want you to come. If you realize you're dead all the way up to your shoulders, you need to come. If you're dead all the way, your upper body's dead. Or if you're a dry bone, I want you to come. Because Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Come on, drag your burden up here to the middle. Drag your pain up here to the center. And let's have a revival. Dead man, dead man, come alive. 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 Come on, somebody, come alive. In the name of Jesus.
Yes, yeah.